How many of you think it's important to get ready properly? Okay, I think it is. You come to church this morning, we hope you brushed your teeth and, you know, you go to school, you got to do some things to get ready properly. How many of you notice men and women getting ready properly is different? Would you agree? That, that's not a, a sexist statement or anything. That's just, that's, a, that's an observation, isn't it? For example, I have uh, pretty granddaughters and uh, a pretty dog, pretty, two pretty daughters, a pretty wife, and a pretty dog at home. And female dog. Now, she's different, though. But the, the women in my life, when they get ready, it's different. They get up and they, they, they normally have to take a bath. I, I don't know why, you know, but they take baths. And then they, they get in there and they use like three different soaps. There's a body soap, a face soap, an ear soap. And they put conditioner on their hair and they wash it out. And then they put shampoo and wash it out. Guys, by the way, conditioner's that stuff. When you put it, you can hardly get it out. You have to wash it like eight times to get it out. Then they get out and they dry their hair and they flat iron their hair. They curl their hair. They poof their hair and they spray their hair. And then they begin the makeup process of putting on a base and putting on more base and putting on lipstick and putting on eye stuff. And, and then three hours later, they are ready to go. Now, they look pretty beforehand and they look pretty afterwards where we as men get up, brush our teeth, put a hat on, and we're in the car in five minutes, Right? That is the joy of being a man. But getting ready is important. We're in 1 Samuel 17 today, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, our scriptures will be on the screen. And we're going to talk about getting ready to face your giants. Getting battle ready, getting giant ready. Let's do a quick review first of all. Giants will appear in your life. Problems, issues, stressors, things that are going to overwhelm you things that are going to be tough. Someone says you're either in the midst of problems, you're coming out of problems, or you're headed to problems. And that's the truth as long as we live. Our story, we're going to pick it up in verse 4 today, but let me give you a little background. The Jewish people are the good guys. They're on one side of this mountain. The Philistines are the bad guys. They're on the other side. The Valley of Elah is in between them. And if you come next week, we're going to get to the Valley of Elah where David and Goliath are going to duke it out. But it's in this context, it begins in verse 4. It says, And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head. And he was armed with a coat of maw, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. Now, verse 10, and the Philistine Goliath said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Remember, quick review, one of the ways in ancient warfare they would settle a battle or even a war is they would get the two champions, the two best guys from each team, we would say, to come out and do one-on-one. It's a life or death one-on-one. And whoever won, their country, their God, their people won. So Goliath is challenging, hey, not everybody's got to die. It's just going to be me against your best person. Send him on. Now, Goliath, it says he was six cubits in a span. A cubit's about 18 inches. Six cubits is nine feet. A span is a half a cubit. So that would have put him between nine foot five and nine foot nine. 
Mike Stevens, raise your hand, Mike, and Brittany helped put together. This is our Rapid Signs Goliath. Isn't that great? Mike, you should have put Rapid Signs on his shield there. But then you might not want to be associated with Goliath because it does go bad for him in the days ahead. This Goliath is nine foot five. Now, with his little feathery hat up there, it's probably nine eight or nine nine. This is really pretty realistic. He he probably was about that tall. This spear, Jill Benefield, are you here? Jill, raise. There's Jill. Give Jill a hand, and I'll tell you why in just a second. And Brandon, Brandon, raise your hand. Last week, Jill came by and showed me her church in Longview, Texas. They had someone make a Goliath spear to the specs of what it was, the, what it really was. We believe, and his spear, the, the, these a lot of these weights are hard to, to measure, but it probably his what the, the, this right here around him, his coat of mail. Let's show that, Jamie. It's kind of like a fishnet armor around him, probably weighed between 125 to 200 pounds. So this guy may weigh 600 pounds, so that's a light coat for him. But this, this is made to about the size we believe that his spear really was. And the tip of his spear was like a shot put. It was about 16 pounds. After church, by the way, we're going to get the piano on the stage. We need a lot of people to stay and help us in the name of Jesus, please. If Goliath was here, we'd tell him, get the piano. Wouldn't that have been good? Goliath, get the piano. The the piano's on stage. Josh is going to stand beside this to guard it, but we want you to come by and and look at it, handle it. We don't want it falling because I promise if it fell on you, you would come to church with a hook on your hand next week where it cut your arm off. It uh, It is a dangerous thing. But would you agree with me, that is a giant in the life of the Jewish people. That is not a good thing. Some of you are saying, well, I think that's Bible stuff. You know, that's just make believe stuff. People aren't that tall. I'm going to show you some more stuff next week, but I'm, I certainly believe what the Bible says. But e- even in recent years in China, the, the tallest woman in recorded, in recorded history means we're going back about 100 or so years, was a lady named Zing. She was 8 foot 2 inches at the time of her death. Now, so if 20 years ago there was an 8 foot 2 woman walking around, thousands of years ago, and you go over the last thousands of years and billions of people on the planet Earth, I, I don't have a problem believing that there's literally a nine-foot-five or nine-foot-inch-tall nine, uh, man. It says he was a champion, which meant that he was a good warrior. It also meant he was a man, and he possessed manly qualities. This was a problem. This was a problem. Now, you have problems, too, or you're going to. You face giants, or you're going to face giants. You have problems with your marriage, with your kids, with your parents, with your teachers and coaches in the next week. Amen, young people. Uh, okay, they won't say anything. You teachers and coaches, will you have some giant students in your life in the next few weeks? Yes, you hear, see, they're mean to y'all. Y'all can be, I'm giving you permission to be mean to them here. So we have giants in our life. It's health issues or whatever it is. You, you can be cocky this morning. Everything's great, man. I got money. I'm powerful. Nobody messes with me. And your life can fall apart. You, you have giants or you will face giants. Here's the second thing, a quick review. We have to face our giants. You've got to be willing to face your giants. You have to be willing to say whatever the issue is, I may not want to, man, I don't want to, but I've got to face it. I've got to, I've got to confront it. I've got to deal with it in the right way and in the God way. I, I have to deal with my giants. In verse 11, when Saul, who is the king, and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Dismayed literally means broken and demoralized. 
Goliath's calling you out, you'd be broken and demoralized too. It says they were greatly afraid, intensely afraid. The word afraid there literally means they were, they were fearing or anticipating bodily harm. If I'm getting in the ring with Goliath, I'm anticipating bodily harm. Verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw this man, they fled from him. And many of them, they were much afraid. For 40 days, he came out. He cursed God. He cursed them. He challenged them. All the men of Israel sat and did nothing. They probably criticized. They complained. They, they critiqued. They had ideas. They had suggestions. And they sat on their swords and did nothing. Saul is the king. The Bible says he was a head taller than everybody. He was a warrior too. And at some point, he should have said, I've got to do something. Nobody's going to do anything. I will face this giant. But he wouldn't. And then out of nowhere comes a young person. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, I, David, I will go fight the Philistine. David's probably 12, 13, 14 years of age. We pray, we hope, we want the giants to disappear. Sometimes they don't. So many churches, so many organizations... So many families, so many cities, countries. You got people with a lot of ideas and a lot of opinions, and they're cowards. Unless it affects them personally, and then sometimes people really get weird and mean if it's just affecting them personally. But nobody wants to face the giant. That giant wasn't going away. Now, I want to tell you this morning, at some point, you either got to let the giant pin you to the ground and defeat you, or you got to man up or woman up, and you got to be willing to face it. How many of you have ever been attacked by a mountain lion? We have video cameras in here, and I promise you will be given a testimony very soon if you raise your hand. Have any of you ever heard a mountain lion scream? Have any of you ever heard that? Everybody's doing like this. Raise your hand high. Come on, be proud. Amen. I never have. My dad grew up in Arkansas, kind of like the Arkansas hillbillies. And and he said that they would hear him, and it sounded like a woman screaming in pain. It was just terrifying. Do you know what what you're supposed to do today? If you leave church and you go in the parking lot and there's a mountain lion, first you come get Josh, right? Let Josh fight the mountain lion. If you can't find Josh... You do not run from a mountain lion. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, it will catch you. Amen? I don't believe anything the preacher says. You believe that, right? The mountain lion will catch you, and he will maul you. The mountain lion wants to get behind you. It wants you to run. Its modus operandi, is this is terrible, is, is attacking you from behind, biting you at the base of your spinal cord, snapping your spine, and then having you for supper. Isn't that terrible? And so people who have survived being attacked by mountain lions are, when they're being stalked by a mountain lion, you know what they do? They never let the mountain lion get behind them. They, keep their, they face the mountain lion. They face the mountain lion. They keep their eye on the mountain Listen, that's the same way with the giants in your life. You've got to, you've got to be willing to face your giants, okay? Here's the third thing. The first two were kind of reviewed from last week. Here's the, here's the, the first thing this morning, I guess. Nobody ever, not everybody is going to always support you. Wait a second. You mean I'm going to face the giant? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to face the giant nobody else would? I'm going to, I'm going to stand up? Listen, young people, you're going to be the adult that sometimes the adults won't be. 
You're, you're going you're gonna to take the hard position, the God position, when nobody else would, and then they're not going to support you. This is really an important little fact to know. Verse 26 through 28, here's David talking. David said to the men who stood by him, what, what will be done for the guy who kills Goliath and takes away this ugliness from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way. They said, look, whoever kills Goliath is going to get to marry one of Saul's daughters. He's going to get to be in the king's family. He's going to be super wealthy. Now look in verse 28. Elab, David's oldest brother, heard what David had been saying. And Elab's anger was kindled. That word anger is an emotional word. It means literally his nostrils were flaring. Have you ever seen someone get mad and their nostrils flare? If, if their nostrils are flaring, that is a sign they're probably hot. It says his anger was kindled. In other words, it was stoked. He was, he was mad. And he says, what? He, he says, why have you come here? And with, listen to this, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. You just came down here to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? What have I done this time? David says, I'm going to do something, by the way, his big brothers weren't willing to do. The king's not willing to do. And instead of cheering him on and being excited, they're making fun of him. His brother says, you're just a little show off. You just, you just tend a few sheep that you left back there in the pasture. And, and this must have been kind of an ongoing ribbing that he got from his brothers. I don't normally like this phrase because I think it's a baby sta- a phrase and a, and a one of, you get caught, you know, what have I done now? Well, if you get called in the office 10 times, you probably have done something, right? Well, David, that's not true. David said, what have I done now? I haven't done anything wrong. And it goes on. Here's the cool thing. After his brothers berate him, he pushes it off and he still says, I'll go fight him. And they take him to King Saul. Look in verse 33, what King Saul says to him. King Saul's real encouraging. Saul said, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he has been a man of war since he was a youth. In other words, what he's saying, when he says David's a youth, again, 12 or 13 years of age probably. And Goliath has been a warrior and a successful battle-proven warrior for a long, long time. Here's a great truth for you this morning. You decide to start doing the right things in your life. Some of you need to give your life to Christ today. You need to become a Christian, and that's going to involve making some hard decisions. And there's going to be a lot of people here clapping for you. There's going to be people in your life that aren't going to like it because it's going to challenge them. It's going to disrupt their apple cart. Or you make a decision as a Christian, I'm going to start being back in church. I'm going to start being in my Bible. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to give as I should. I'm going to serve as I should. And your wife or your husband may not like that because that's going to upset their apple cart. And instead of people getting all excited because you're making right and hard decisions, they may not like it at all. Or you're going to break up with somebody. That's your giant that you need to break up with. Or you're going to switch jobs. Or you're going to switch careers. Or you're going to move halfway around the world. And you know it's of God and you know it's right. Don't expect everybody, especially at first, to jump on board. And listen, it hurts when people question your motives. It hurts when people say you don't know what you're talking about. Now, I want you to listen real carefully what I'm fixing to say. If, you're, if you live at home with your parents, you honor and obey your parents. If you, if you have a job, you need to follow your boss, your teachers, your coaches. 
But when it ultimately, when it gets down to doing the God thing, again, you remember the authorities that you're under because that's part of the God thing. But I don't need anybody's permission to follow God with all my heart. God says for me to do it. I don't need anybody else's permission. God tells Cindy and I to move to uh, Alaska to be missionaries to the Eskimos, and we believe it's true. Buy us a coat, and we need to go. Some of you will be happy. Some of you will be sad, but we need to follow God. Don't expect everybody to cheer you on at first when you start facing your giants and do the right thing. Here's the next thing that's real, real important. You're facing your giants. Remember how God has helped you in the past. Okay, you're going to move forward. You're excited, but you're scared. People you love have told you you're goofy, you're dumb, you shouldn't do it. They're not supporting you, but you know it's of God, so you're moving forward. I love verse 34 through 37. Saul has just told David he can't do it. Listen to what David says. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. When there came a lion or a bear and it would take a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And he rose, if he rose against me, I caught the lion by the beard and struck him and killed him. Are you getting this? Verse 36, your servant is... His, verse 35, I went after him, struck him down. If he rose again, verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And if this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, David said, for the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul finally said, well, okay, go get him. Kind of nonchalant, like he's going to die. Here's what David did. David's young, too. David was able to say, you know what? In the past, I faced giants. And God's got me through it. Now, some of you, the next few things I'm going to say, some of you are going to look back and you don't have any story here. That's okay. But what that means is you need to give your life to Christ today because if you don't have any history with Jesus, you don't belong to Jesus. That's okay. Come and belong to him this morning. Many of you have a history with God. Charles Stanley used to say, Charles Stanley's a great preacher in Atlanta, that every Christian needs to keep a journal where you keep up with the the things that God's done through you and with you in your life. Think about David. David's fixing to go fight this guy, and David can say, you know what? It wasn't just me, but, you know, I've actually grabbed a lion by its fur and killed it by the power of God. I've grabbed a bear by its fur and killed it. That is a bad dude, isn't it? But he's also saying it's been through the power of God that I've done this. I don't know if you keep a prayer journal. Here's here's a great thing to do. Somebody gives you prayer requests or your own life. You write down a request. You write down a date. And then when you get the answer to that prayer, you write it down in a different column. You keep up. It's an amazing thing that what, what you're doing is you're building your faith. You're saying, two years ago, I began to pray for this person of this issue. And it was two years later, but man, God answered it. And they were delivered. And it's supernatural. Let me tell you another thing that's very simple. You ought to spend time every day thinking, God, and I don't mean just thanks for the food, amen. I mean intentionally 
two, five, ten minutes a day thanking God specifically for things he's done and how he's blessed you. You go, well, I don't know what to thank him for. Well, if you can see and walk and hear and talk, thank him for that. If you're saved, thank him for that. God doesn't mind you thanking him for the same things over and over. And what happens is when you're thanking God, you're reminding yourself all God's done in your life. It's a, it's a form of positive rehashing. We ruminate, don't we, Brandon? Ruminate a lot of times is associated with a negative form of thinking where we go over and over and over stuff in our minds. You know anybody that does that? You do it. I do it. You get stuck. Being thankful is a positive form of rumination. And what you're doing is you're reminding yourself, God has delivered me in the past. God can do it today. Hey, write this down. Hebrews 13, 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that brought the miracle in your life five years ago, ten years ago, two years ago, is the same God today. He can do it today. God's biceps not any weaker. David's saying, I can take Goliath because God and I have taken the bear and the lion in the past. We can take him too. And if you'll look back in your past and you'll remind yourself how God's delivered you, it builds your faith as you face giants today. When I was a young Christian, I didn't know any of this, but I had, I had some, some bumps in my life as a young Christian. And I remember I got past one of those bumps. And about a year later, I hit some more hard times. And, and part of my getting over this next bump was remembering, God got me over that. God can get me through this. I didn't know any of this, but I was doing it. And, and then a couple of years later, I could look back and say, God, God got me over this and this. God can get me past this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is a great verse. A lot of applications. No temptation is overtaken you that is, that is not common to man, but God's faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. A lot of applications. Here's an application. No temptation. I want to say this too. No giant. No problem has, has come into your life, listen to this, that somebody else has not faced. Well, you don't know what I'm facing. I'm not downplaying what you're facing at all. But here's what I'm telling you. Over the last thousands of years and the billions of people, somebody has faced something identical to what you're facing, and by the power of God, they've got through it. Isn't that wonderful? That's what God's saying there. God's telling you, remember what I have done in your life. Remember what I've done in the life of others. And whatever giant you're facing, remember what we did in the past. We can get victory over it today. Here's the fifth thought. You and God, you and God have what it takes to face your, your giant successfully. You're remembering what you've done in the past. And I want to tell you some great news this morning. You and God today have what it takes to face that giant you face now. Now, I, I know you can say, well, yeah, of course God's got what, he, what it takes. But you do too with God. That's the whole point if you'll be who you should be. Verse 37 through 39. David said, I'm going to go fight him. Verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor. He put his helmet of bronze on his head, and he clothed him with his own coat of mall. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go around, for he had not been tested of them. David said, I can't go out dressed like you in your armor for battle. And then David took his staff, his shepherd's staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the brook. It's a brook down in this valley. We're going to look at those stones next week. 
He put him in his shepherd's bag, his pouch, with his sling in his hand, and he went after the Philistine. Okay, if you'll come next week, I don't know what. I'm trying to debate whether it's going to be marshmallows or Reese's Pieces. I'm afraid with the Reese's Pieces, I could put one of your eyes out, and that would be terrible liability for the church. But David's slingshot was like this. This is a David slingshot. And they put something right there in that pouch, and then and boom, 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 just like that. And they'd fling it out there. Josh, would you hold that so I won't play with it anymore? He gets ready for battle. He's 13 years old. King Saul's a big man. He puts his armor on him. His armor doesn't fit. David's never fought with a sword and, and, and worn armor like that. David says, no, 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 I'm a shepherd. I'm going to take my slingshot, and I'm going to go out there and fight this guy. It doesn't make sense at all. But let me tell you a little thing about the shepherds in David's era and shepherds over in Israel today. I was reading this week about a man who had been in Israel not long ago, and as he drove around the countryside, he saw shepherds up watching sheep. They didn't have cell coverage, so they're not doing like this the whole time. They don't have TVs out there, or they're just sitting there with a lot of rocks around them with slingshots. David spent hundreds of hours out there playing with his rocks and his slingshot. And when it came time to face this giant, David wasn't trained with swords and spears and armor. He's going to be 20 years later, but he wasn't right now. But here's the coolest thing ever. David didn't need a sword or a spear. You see, whatever giant you're facing right now, you have got the gifting and the talent and the ability with the power of God to face that giant just as you are and be successful. Is that not awesome? See, you don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to wear their armor. You don't have to appease who they are. You just need to be the very best you that you can be. Now, let me, let me throw a disclaimer. You need to keep growing. 20 years later, David's going to face bigger giants than this one in multiple ways, and he's going to fight them with swords and spears and with the, with the soldiers. But not on that day. And you keep growing and developing, so when that giant you face 10 years down the road, which may be a lot bigger than the one you face now or more complicated, you'll be ready for it. But you're not 10 years down the road. You're here right now this morning, and you have issues in your life. And what I'm trying to encourage you with is to say, by the power of God, you have got the talents and the abilities and the strength within yourself through God to face that giant and to defeat it. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to be who you're not. You need to be the best you that you can be. And you can take that giant with God. You've probably heard this saying before, God will never put more on you than you can handle. You ever heard that? No? Y'all, baloney, y'all have heard that. It's just not true at all. In fact, this morning, God's putting a lot on some of you to try to break you and to humble you and to get you to repent and turn to him. But that's the whole point. He wants you to turn to him. Because, see, God will never put more on you that you and him together can't handle. That's the key. David wasn't going to fight him with a slingshot. David was going to fight him with his talents, gifts, and slingshot in the power and with the power of God behind him. 
It's a corny saying. It's an old cliche, but it's so true. You plus God equals a majority. Who will you not face when you know God's on your side? You and God have what it takes to successfully face whatever issue or giant you're going to face if you will just grab a hold of God's hand and never let go. The question always is, the issue always is, not God, not whether there's going to be giants, it's you and me. And will we be who God's called us to be? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I hope that God's speaking to your heart. You'll come back to him. With his power, you'll step up and face your giant. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure, your biggest hurdle in life right now is, is to give your life to Christ. If you're ready to do that, pray with me sincerely and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and you arose for me. Come into my heart and I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment and give you a chance to say yes to God. Maybe you just ask Christ in your life or you're ready to. You can come when we stand. Or you can catch me at this door after church. Don't leave this building today without being sure Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You got that opportunity now. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can come and do that when we stand in a moment. Or you can do that after church. But you need a church. Come and join us if God's leading you to. You're a Christian this morning. Maybe it'll be where you're standing. Or maybe you need to come to the altar and pray. Get on your knees and, and pray to the Lord. Get back with God. Get right with God. And say, God, with your help and your power, whatever giant comes, you and I are going to face it successfully. Let's stand. You come now as God leads you.